Turn in your Bibles, please, to Psalm 2. We're going to read two psalms this morning, two short ones. Two messianic psalms, meaning they are psalms about the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we'll be dealing with Acts chapter 13 in just a few minutes, I want you with Psalm 2 and Psalm 16 on your mind. Because they're both referenced in Acts chapter 13 in Paul's sermon in Antioch of Pisidia. And it's a shame that two of these psalms, two of the better known psalms, are not as well understood as they should be, even though they're very simple. Let's stand together and read Psalm 2 in unison. Why do the heathen rage? And the people imagine a vain thing. The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath, and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree, The Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, And I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear. And rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry, and ye perish from the way, when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Amen and amen. You may be seated. The Jesus of Psalm 2 is little known. He laughs in heaven at his enemies. He is not weeping over his enemies. He laughs at them and derides them. And the Word of God tells us that he is to be served with fear and trembling, which the Apostle Paul tells us exactly how we worship him acceptably, even under the New Testament. We are to worship him acceptably with reverence and godly fear, For our God is a consuming fire. He has not changed one whit. The God of creation and the God of the flood and the God of Israel is the same God today. And we should worship Him the same. We read in verse 12, kiss the Son. Why should we kiss the Son? Because He's our buddy? Kiss the Son because He is our King and our Master. And we are his bond slaves. Kiss the son lest he be angry and ye perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. 
The Bible says that God is angry with the wicked every day. This psalm here is describing what efforts would be made by the rulers of the Romans and the rulers of the Jews in the days of the Lord Jesus Christ. This psalm is quoted in a prayer of theirs in Acts chapter 4. When they understood the interpretation and application of these words to apply to Pontius Pilate, Herod, and the rulers of the Jews that crucified the Lord Jesus Christ. But the prophecy goes beyond that. And it says that God's going to laugh at their efforts to undo his bonds and cast his cords away. He's going to have them in derision, and he's going to vex them in his sore displeasure. And he overthrew the Jewish nation, and he overthrew the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire dominated the world for a few hundred years. But then the Lord broke it in pieces with the reign of the rod of iron of the Lord Jesus Christ. Today, the Italians are a joke throughout the world for their military ineptness. If you want... That was an Italian that said amen. If you want to hear some good soldier war jokes about Italians, go ask the Italian. The Italian army was a joke in the Second World War. It was a liability to Germany. Adolf Hitler had to waste so many of his troops to go down and protect their own country because they were so inept. And the whole point I'm trying to make is the Lord Jesus Christ dashed the Roman Empire in pieces. They crucified the Lord of glory. He crushed them. He said he would do so. The point I want you to get right now from Psalm 2 is that the event under consideration is declared in verse 6. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. The Lord Jesus Christ was crucified by the Romans and the Jews, but God raised him from the dead. And not only did God raise him from the dead, God set him on his throne at his own right hand in heaven. Far above all principalities and powers of the spirit world and far above all kings and lords of the earthly world. Verse 8, ask of me and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance. The inheritance of the Lord Jesus Christ was given him when he rose up into heaven and sat down at God's right hand. I want you to know that Acts chapter 2 is about the resurrection, ascension, exaltation, and coronation of Jesus Christ as king. That's why we have kiss the son. That's why it says that the kings of the earth should be wise and fear him in verses 10 and 11. This is important for this reason. When we get into Acts chapter 13, the Apostle Paul is going to explain a verse from this psalm that if it weren't for the Holy Spirit leading us in the New Testament, we wouldn't know what it was talking about. And that's the seventh verse. Psalm 2-7, I will declare the decree the Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Now I have just told you, that the context of Psalm 2 is the resurrection and the ascension and seating of Jesus Christ in heaven. And yet, at our first glance at verse 7, it sounds like it's talking about his birth. Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Our minds quickly say that begetting must be human generation. This must be the birth 
of Jesus from the Virgin Mary. Wrong. Acts 13 is going to explain it, and I'm not going to take the time now to belabor it in detail, but it's the resurrection. We're going to learn it. But most theologians, and I'm not talking about the average Christian today, the average Christian today doesn't spend one minute a week on theology. I'm talking about those men who have dedicated their lives to theology. They believe that Psalm 2 and verse 7 is describing eternal generation of the second person in the Godhead called the eternal begetting of the Son. I will declare the decree the Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my Son, this day have I begotten thee. And they teach the heresy of eternal generation of the Son of God. We do not believe that the second person in the Trinity is some generated being in the Godhead from eternity, and we especially don't believe it from Psalm 2-7. Psalm 2-7 is talking about the resurrection. And if you can't believe it, then confess your sin to God and believe it anyway. Humble yourself to the words of God, because Acts 13 is going to tell us that Psalm 2-7 is the resurrection. That is why Jesus is called, in Revelation chapter 1, the first begotten of the dead. Because he's the first fruits of them that slept. The resurrection proved Jesus Christ to be the Son of God. Dying on the cross didn't prove Him to be the Son of God. That was His sacrifice for us. It was defying and destroying death and coming out of the ground that proved Him to be the Son of God. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We can understand Psalm 2-7 and what I just told you goes against 99 plus percent of all men who have dedicated themselves to the study of theology. They believe that in eternity, God the Father, eternally generated by a mysterious process called eternal generation, the Son of God. Therefore, He is a begotten God. As the New American Standard Version says in John 1.18, Therefore he is a God, but not the God, as the New World Translation says in John 1.1. We don't believe any of that. Right. We believe the second person in the Godhead is the Word of God. He is God Jehovah himself, without dilution, modification, or explanation. Right. And that in the fullness of time, he took upon himself the form of a servant and took upon himself humanity, and therefore he is the Son of God by virtue of his birth to Mary, and he has proven to be so by his resurrection and position at God's right hand. Let's turn over to Psalm 16. Psalm 16. Oh, brethren, Psalm 2 is wonderful. They crucified the Lord Jesus Christ. They thought they were getting rid of his bonds and his cords. They thought they could get rid of his claims on their lives. They thought they could get rid of the greatest preacher that ever walked the dusty roads of Judea, who condemned the Pharisees, Sadducees, Herodians, scribes, Levites, and lawyers of that nation with his pure religion. But God laughed in heaven. Because by their animosity and hatred of the Lord Jesus Christ, they brought about the redemption of our souls. By crucifying him on the cross, he triumphed openly, op openly over the devil in that death, and he is seated at God's right hand, vexing the nations with his rod of iron. Go look at a political map of the world these days. 
I think we're approaching 300 nations on earth because they've been shattered into smithereens by the iron rod rule of the Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 16. We're going to read it in unison as well. Rise with me as we read the precious Word of God. Our brothers that have gone before us have loved the Word of God. Many of them had only scraps of it. They gave their lives so that we could have the Scriptures in our language. Let's love reading every word of it. We can't get too much of Holy Scripture. Psalm 16 together. Preserve me, O God, for in Thee do I put my trust. O my soul, Thou hast said unto the Lord, Thou art my Lord. My goodness extendeth not to Thee, but to the saints that are in the earth, and to the excellent, in whom is all my delight. Their sorrows shall be multiplied that hasten after another God. Their drink offerings of blood will I not offer, nor take up their names into my lips. The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reins also instruct me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Neither wilt thou suffer thine Holy One to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Amen. You may be seated. David wrote the psalm. David calls upon God to preserve him and told him that he had put his trust in the Lord. He tells him in verse 2 that my goodness doesn't extend to you. I may be considered a good man in this world, but it doesn't match your goodness. He says in verse 3 that the saints that are in the earth and the excellent among men, those are those that worship and fear the Lord and live righteous lives, they were all his delight. Your friends should be very selectively chosen. Your friends should be very few because there are only a few worthy of being your friends. And they're described in verse 3. They are the saints in the earth. They are the excellent in the earth. And they should be all your delight. You should get no pleasure from a worldling. What in the world do you have in common with them? This is David. This is why God loved him. He loved the people of God. He loved the worship of God, the service of God and God himself. He says in verse 4, their sorrows shall be multiplied. Those that want to follow false religion and love this world, their sorrows are going to be multiplied. That doesn't mean, that's not addition, that's multiplication. Their drink offerings of blood, I'm not going to offer, I'm not even going to talk about those gods. 
The Lord, that is the Lord Jehovah in that fifth verse, is the portion of my inheritance and my cup. God maintains my lot. The Lord protects me. And look what he says in verse 6. And is this true of you? The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. Are your property lines pretty decent in your life? Has the Lord been kind to you? Gracious, good, merciful, full of loving kindness? If you were to add up all the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ, all the material blessings we have in the U.S., all the protection, peace, prosperity, and pleasure that we enjoy, we are the most blessed of all people. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. The Lord is good. I will bless the Lord. Not only has He given me counsel, but He uses my reins, my thought apparatus, even in the night to instruct me and keep me righteous. He says in verse 8, I have set the Lord always before me. Now we need to be careful. David wrote the psalm, didn't he? And the Jews who read these words a, a million times did not understand them until Paul came along. Verse 8, I have set the Lord always before me. Verse 9, therefore my heart is glad, my glory rejoiceth. Remember, how does glory rejoice? Your glory is your tongue. Throughout the Psalms, your tongue is called your glory. Do you know why? Because your tongue was given to you not just to help food move around under your teeth and to go eventually down your throat. Your tongue was given to you to praise God. And you give glory to God by your tongue speaking and singing. Therefore, it's called your glory. And here we have the psalmist saying, My glory rejoiceth. He says in verse 10, Thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. He says in verse 11, Thou wilt show me the path of life. David said these words. But Paul's going to show us in Acts chapter 13 that David died, was buried, and saw corruption. So these verses do not apply to David. And thank you, Lord, for the light of the New Testament to be able to read the Old Testament with understanding. These are words of prophecy about the Lord Jesus Christ. He set the Lord always before me. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us that. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. He was never moved, as verse 8 says. His heart was glad and his glory rejoiced. Did he praise God? Did he sing hymns of praise? The Bible tells us he did. And they sung in him and went out. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 12, verse 12 tells us that he praised God in the congregation when Jesus was here on earth. God did not leave his soul in hell, and the word hell there is the grave. It's the tomb. It's death. It's not the lake of fire. Jesus didn't go to the lake of fire. Jesus didn't go to the lake of fire, as the Roman Catholic Apostolic Apostles' Creed says. He descended into hell. He didn't descend into that hell. Yes, he was put in a grave for three days and three nights. But I'll tell you where his spirit went one nanosecond after he gave up the ghost. It went straight to his Father in heaven, because he told the thief, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise, not in the lake of fire. He said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Understand, we need to understand the Word of God. Amen. God did not leave his, his life existence, His body. Remember, God breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life, and man became a... What became a living soul? His body became a living soul that had once been dead, inanimate dust. 
That soul, the word soul is used to the wide latitude in the Bible. That soul was not left in the grave, but God delivered it out of the ground. And God did not suffer His Holy One, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, that is not David, to see corruption. And that corruption is for His body to decay in the ground. His Father showed Him the path of life, and in His presence is fullness of joy. This is the Lord Jesus Christ speaking. And at Thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. And when we get to heaven, you'll understand that last verse better. There are pleasures forevermore in the presence of God, the closer you can get to Him. And may God bless us this day by faith to get close to Him. This is a prophecy of the Lord Jesus Christ and His resurrection from the dead. And it will be used by Paul in Acts 13. Let's sing these two psalms, a few verses of them, as we worship the Lord with psalms as we're told to in the New Testament. Testament.